Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 15th episode, our guest is Rick Friday. But before we get to that, I need to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Audible.com. For you, the listeners of the Rob Burgess Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. A book I would personally recommend that pertains to this episode is The First Amendment and You, What Everyone Should Know. This is a nine-hour audiobook in the Great Courses series narrated by Professor John E. Finn, and it can be yours today for free. Whatever book you pick, you can exchange it at any time. You can cancel at any time, and the books are yours to keep. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show for your free audiobook. Please consider supporting those who support the show like Audible. You'll be helping me out and it won't cost you a thing. Another totally free way you can help the show is to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available. Whether it's iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, TuneIn, or RSS, you can find links to everything on the official website, www.therobburgessshow.com. You can also find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Now on to today's show. Here is how Rick Friday describes himself on his website, FridayCartoons.com. I grew up on a 300-acre farm in southern Iowa during a period in which our nation was at war. Times may have been difficult, but Sis and I didn't know it. The country life seemed to protect us from the world. We didn't want for much and created our own entertainment. Soda pop was our reward for being good kids, so once in a while, Sis and I would slide the pitcher of sweet tea aside and share a bottle of pop. My mother says I began drawing cartoon characters on my toy box at age four. A few years later, I started drawing cartoons and selling them to kids on the school bus for nickels and dimes. When our farm chores were done... Sis and I would walk two miles to town and spend the cartoon money on orange pop and Chico sticks. I had enough cartoon money for Sis and I to each have our own bottle of pop. I was an average student, however, and there were times I was scolded for doodling on my homework. He needs to focus more, my teachers would say. 
I was voted class clown by my peers, and I turned down an art scholarship in 1978. I thought I would work and eventually farm. Under my picture, it read, What are your future plans? My answer was, Undecided. I was successful with my plans. I am still undecided. My first cartoon was published in a local paper in 1993. I traded one cartoon per week for a subscription to the paper. Soon I was drawing for three papers and one magazine. The mailbox was always full of newspapers. In 1995, Farm News out of Fort Dodge, Iowa, contacted me and offered me a position as their editorial cartoonist. They were delighted to find a farmer who could draw cartoons. 21 years later, the publication cut me loose for offending big ag business, and once again I am drawing on toy boxes. I am optimistic and hope that someday I will be remembered as author unknown. You can view the cartoon that caused the stir on Rick's Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash rick.friday dot the number three. You can also follow him on Twitter at www.twitter.com forward slash Friday underscore Rick. Finally, I'd like to extend an open invitation to Farm News and the seed dealer who was offended by Rick's cartoon. You're welcome to come on the podcast and give your sides of the story anytime. And now, on to the show. Hello. Hey, Rick, it's Rob. Hi, Rob. How are you? Good. How are you? Say, my wife got the smooching on me this weekend, <laughs> and I, I got her cold, so... I might go into a coffin fit that'll irritate both of us. Well, luckily I uh, I do edit, so I'll uh, I'll make sure if we uh, go into that, I'll I'll try and cut it out. But yeah, I'd, appreciate I'd, I'd appreciate I'd appreciate that. But. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Well, that's okay. I might sound like I weigh about three hundred and fifty pounds before, but I'm not. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, good to know. <laughs> um, if you want to just go ahead and start, just tell people uh, a little bit about yourself, whatever you want people to know. Well, the story that I've been telling, Rob, is one that my mother reminded me of <clears throat> when this first all happened. She said, you started drawing on your toy box when you were four years old. And I do remember when I started riding the school bus that... Uh, I draw cartoons and sell them to the kids on the on the bus. Mm-hmm. Every morning, the kids would hand me nickels and dimes, and I put that change in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And then, when the chores were done Saturday afternoon, my little sister and I'd walk down, and we we were only allowed to have a bottle of pop when we were good kids, which wasn't very often. <laughs> so we would. Uh, we were allowed to walk to town, and gosh, back in the 60s, there's a lot of dirt roads, so Sith and I'd walk town, and we'd buy Orange Crush and Chicken Stick. <laughs> so, uh, and I've always drawn. Um, got in a little trouble in school, because I've drawn things, but uh, in 1993, I put together a portfolio, and I sent that out to a few local papers, and one paper, uh, the Crested News Advertiser, which is about 30 minutes away from the farm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they uh, they liked the cartoons. In fact, the editor came to my place of work and said, well, we can't really afford to pay you for your cartoons, but we'll trade you 
subscription to the paper. Hmm. You give us a weekly cartoon. So I did that for a while, and then I approached a few other papers with with that as well. And uh, soon I was drawing for three or four papers, and I even drew some cartoons for the Wallace Department, and uh, <clears throat> also publication or, or for uh, subscription to the, the mm-hmm. paper. And then in 1995, uh, Farm News started <clears throat> uh, their paper. And the editor at that time, had, the story that he had told me at the time is he had contacted Wallace Farmer and wanted to know if they knew of it. Mm-hmm. A cartoonist that was uh, affiliated with agriculture, and of course they sent him my way, and mm-hmm. I started drawing full-time in 1995 for Farm News and drew with them for 21 years until I got the email <clears throat> one Saturday morning uh, notifying me that uh, they no longer wanted any, more, any of my cartoons. Mm. Yeah, and that's, of course, how I found out kind of about your story here. Um, now, I think it's interesting that you're uh, that you're kind of self-taught in that way. It sounds like you kind of just started, uh, you know, making things when you were a kid and, and went from there. Were there particular cartoonists that you uh, liked or, or people that you kind of looked up to as you were kind of learning your craft there? Yeah, at least... Uh well, the first thing I'd always, when I get the paper, any paper, the first thing I do is look for the comics. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if everyone does that, but and uh, I just self-taught as right. In fact, I did have my art teacher, uh, my senior year of high school, work hard to get me a scholarship. Mm-hmm. He saw the potential in my work, but I'm a fifth generation farmer. And I can't explain it, uh, but there's just something that pulls at you mm-hmm. continuously. And so I always thought, well, I'll just farm like my dad mm-hmm. and my grandpa and my great-grandpa, et cetera. So I really wasn't interested in furthering any education at all. When you're a senior, it's tough. You know, it's like, oh, man, I just spent my whole life in school. and Why do I want to go back to school? But Sure. You know, that was that was in the seventies, Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, things have changed quite a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I turned I turned that scholarship down and I went to work for the local elevator and I started working for them when I was around uh, fourteen or fifteen and I just continued on. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the crisis the the eighties farm crisis hit in the eighties and my mm-hmm. father said there's not room for two of us and I've been here longer. So I went to work for corporation, uh, an RV corporation, and uh, worked there for 22 years, and two mm-hmm. cartoons since 95. Right. Now, what kind of farming was your family uh, concentrated on mostly? Mostly cattle. Mostly cattle. Okay. We had we did raise hogs back in the, back in the day, mm-hmm. before, uh, before they all went corporate farms, <clears throat> and that kind of crap, and that's another reason. Why, you know, the, the market hog, we raised hogs and it all went to corporate farming pretty mm-hmm. much with, with, with the hogs. So it kind of crowded me out. Uh, we had to, we went out of the business of raising hogs and focused more on cattle. Right, right. 
Now, for people that don't, you know, aren't, aren't familiar, as familiar maybe as you are with with the farming culture, kind of explain the influence on kind of big, you because know, that definitely plays a part in this story, you know, like factory farming and big agriculture mm-hmm. and kind of the, you kind of alluded to the, the squeeze that, you know, small farms have felt, you know, especially in, from the 80s on up. Uh, what What is that effect that you've seen? Well, I look around. I'm a fourth generation on this family farm, on this country farm. And I look around at the neighbors, and there's no one to follow them. It's, it, it ends. In this neighborhood, there's one young man that's farming with his father, and no one else has anyone to follow. So we're probably looking at a huge land grab. <clears throat> And uh, the, the corporate farms have squeezed the small farmers so hard that they've controlled market, uh, the markets and the, the input costs. And it's, it's the passion for the business that's keeping, them, keeping the, the last stronghold, I might say, of farmers in the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, cattle... Is kind of a it's because it takes so much land to raise cattle. Mm-hmm. Corporations haven't quite got a handle on that, but we're starting to see it in our area a lot of land grabbing, which they're buying a lot of a lot of property. Right. And they're raising that right now. And we're getting back to when I went to college, or had a chance to go to college. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's cheaper. For an, a young young person, it's cheaper for them to go to college to start farming. Right. A tractor, one tractor on today's market would get you four years of college education. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important because, you know, the more disconnected we are from how our food is produced, I feel like the more centralized it gets, and, and I just don't think that's good for, for anybody, ex- you know, except the factory farms or whatever. Um, so, Our youngest daughter, Rob, our youngest daughter recently graduated from law school, and she's currently now practicing mm-hmm. her student loans. Uh, she worked really, really hard to put herself through college, mm-hmm. just like I did. In what I'm doing in agriculture, mm-hmm. and there's no there's no one who wants to start farming right now cannot get started for what it cost her to get a degree in law, right? And it's what's going to happen is I'm afraid that we're going to produce corn like we produce cars. There's going to be three companies in this. Three companies producing our food, mm-hmm. or less. Right. And I don't know if this, if we're ready for that. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, now to kind of switch to a little, little bit about the publication where you had been working for the Farm News. Uh, was your relationship with them uh, pretty good uh, before this had happened? Did you, did you ever have any problems similar to this? You know, as far as editorial, you know, oversight kind of clashing with your what you were trying to do. Actually, it's excellent. In fact, the editor is really dear friend of mine mm. and he is totally confused of why this happened of course he's the first one to see my work and of course he approved it and went to print 
was distributed to 24,000 households. And there was one complaint from a huge seed dealer about the contents of the cartoon. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say it was fired. I relieved his duty as a freelance cartoonist. So it was just, uh, actually, the editor was shocked that, that this happened. But there, you know, there, there have been maybe one or two cartoons in the 21 years that they wouldn't print, mm -hmm. uh, but that was edited for most of the time, Rob, it was something I spelled wrong. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? Right. And I'd have to go back and change. I just changed the cartoon. Sure. The last, this last year, uh, there's been a lot of questions about my cartoons, and it's not that they're any different than they were 10 years ago. It's kind of changed. Hmm. Uh, advertisers, large advertisers, uh, have very influential on the press because mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the revenue comes from. Sure. Well, but in theory, though, I mean, this is the way it's supposed to work. Obviously, it, it doesn't always work this way, but I think in theory, there is supposed to be a wall of separation between, you know, the editorial side and, and the advertising side so that one yeah. doesn't influence the other. But obviously, that, you know, as we see, that, that doesn't always work the way it's supposed to. So. No, it certainly doesn't. Yeah. But your cartoon was interesting because, like, I'm looking at it right now, the one that, that kind of caused the, the uproar here or whatever. It's it's not anything, like, inflammatory to my eye. You know, I'm, I'm obviously not a, a big ag person, and maybe they would, you know, see it differently. But it's really just two, two – it looks like two farmers talking at a fence. One says, I wish there was more profit in farming. The other one says, there is, in year 2015, the CEOs of Monsanto, DuPont Pioneer, and John Deere combined made more money than 2,129 Iowa farmers. Now, that, that looks like just a plain statement of fact to me. It doesn't look like you're, you know what I mean? Like, that, that that's a pretty opinionless, you know. I mean, you are yeah, putting an opinion yeah. forward, of course, by showing these facts, but you really are just stating the truth, right? I mean, that, that seems to be what you're, what you're doing, so. Yeah, actually, actually, I saw the agribusiness report, which is, uh, it's, uh, it comes out in, in Iowa, and, uh, that report actually stated what the average Iowa farmer made in 2015. They also used other comparisons. They used the comparison for the year before and two years prior. I don't have those figures exactly, but I saw that and I looked it up. I mean, there there's no excuse for ignorance in today's world when you can Google anything you want. Right. That's basically what I did. I, I sat down there and I Googled the agribusiness report and I saw what the average farmer made in 2015. Mm -hmm. And I just randomly took Monsanto, DuPont Pioneer, and John Deere. And the reason why I use that, th those three, is because they're, 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 uh, high-profile agribusiness mm -hmm. corporation, and I typed in CEO, and I got their total CEO compensation package for each company. And that's all public information. Anyone right. can do that. And I basically just added those three salaries and divided what the average farmer made in Iowa in 2015 and come up with 2,129. Right. 
And you can put a pencil, in fact, the uh, Des Moines Register, they did a little further uh, uh, study on it and come up with a different figure than what I had. Mm-hmm. And I think theirs was, uh, I don't know if you want to quote me on this, but I think it was 2,888. Wow. They actually come out with more farmers. Oh, my gosh. That's, yeah, that's crazy. But um, now you said this was a seed company that, that complained. What what uh, particular part of their business would be, would it be Monsanto maybe that would be the the connection there? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what umbrage they would be taking. Well, all I know is the from the email that I had received, Rob, uh-huh. it says that in the eyes of some, Big Egg cannot be criticized or poked fun at. The cartoon resulted in one seed dealer canceling his advertising with Farm News. Hmm. That, that was in the email that I got. I don't know. I do have some friends, 21 years. I'd like to think you'd make some friends with somebody. <laughs> they have told me who the seed dealer is, but I've chosen to keep that to myself right hmm. now because I'm, I, I don't, I'm not, not going to play the same game they are because that seed company, there will be the deeper percussions from it. I don't know if percussions is the proper word, but uh, there would be a... There's people that work for that company. Mm. You know? Right. Um, so it doesn't yeah. really it doesn't really matter. Sure. Uh, uh, any one of the three or any corporation at all has... As they they feel that they have the they have every right to pull their head. I'm, I'm not saying. That oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's kind of what you do you know, with I, that from there. I guess would be the the question, you know. So. But I would I would hate to think that they were still embarrassed with their CEO salary that they would have to pull all their advertising. Advertising is in place to make you money. Mm-hmm. You know I don't understand, and. It, we have smartphones and computers, and we're very highly intelligent individuals on the farm. We know what CEOs make with these companies. Mm-hmm. You know, right? It's not like a, a secret, like you said. You can, you can. There's no excuse for ignorance when you can Google everything. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's public information at this point. So um, wow. So uh, so you you said you know who the seed dealer is, but you're not you're not choosing to share it now. Have you uh, talked to anybody at the seed dealer or had any communications with them, you know, privately and being like, you know, what the heck, you know? No, I have not. No. Okay. Huh. And did they did they reinstate their their advertising with the farm news after you were let go, or did that did they just cancel and that was the end of it? Do you know? I don't know, Rob. Don't know. I don't know about the seed dealer. I do know that their ad department was hit extremely hard. Ooh. So this was a pretty big advertiser that that they lost from from this. Well, yeah, but uh, the revenues they lost from the fallout from this is a lot worse than that one seed dealer. Oh, really? Other companies have pulled their ads. Yeah, it's. Oh, so it's yeah. So they were the ones that initially complained, but there were other, there were other kind of ripple effects beyond that. Not due to the cartoon, due to the, due to the release of the cartoonist in the story. Ah, uh, okay. Um, it's just you know most people understand the unfairness in that. Sure. You know, justice is when arrogance stomps over everything great that defines our country and then drowns in a puddle of disgrace. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, if you had to do it over again, would you have would you have done the same cartoon again, or, or would you have done I something different? I would have taken a little bit more time to draw it. I didn't realize it was going to go throughout <laughs> the world. Like put a little yeah. more detail in the in the drawing part. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing about that that morning is. I raise cattle, and I have baby monitors, actual baby monitors in my barn. Mm-hmm. And so when I when new mothers are in there, I have cameras on them, so I watch them just like you do your babies upstairs or in the other room. <laughs> so I was sitting there watching the monitors, and I had a young mother that was giving birth. So I was drawing the cartoon and watching her. Oh, wow. And when the baby was born, I just ran outside to make sure everything was all right. Mm. <laughs> Come back, finish the cartoon, washed up, went and did the rest of my chores. Come back, added a little bit more, scanned it, sent it to my editor, and didn't take anything of it. Like I have every Monday morning for 21 years. Right. And then Saturday morning, I come in, and I, I flipped up my laptop, saw a... An email from the editor, and this message is well, believe it or not, Farm News 20 plus years relationship with you is over. Mm. <clears throat> and I sent a reply basically, shame on you. Yeah. Uh, closed my laptop, went to go outside, and I texted my wife and told her what had happened come back and thought, I'm going to tell my 325 Facebook friends about this. Mm -hmm. And it went viral. Yeah. There's 24,000 people that read the paper every day. Right. Um, How would you, would you, I don't know, as you look at that cartoon, would you see that as offending yeah. Yeah, I can see. I can. I can see what you're. What you're saying with that. Yeah, it is kind of. It's so innocuous and so just factual. It's. It's hard to. It's hard to see who that would have said. You the exact. The exact word that the editor used. Mm-hmm. He. He didn't quite understand it. No. Yeah, I guess it would be kind of hard to anticipate that kind of thing. You're right. So, mm-hmm. but, huh? So, what's been the you know response from people that have that have found out about this and, and kind of contacted you? I'm sure you've gotten a whole new, you know, audience for your work. I've been you know I've been enjoying your your cartoons on Facebook. I've I've started following you obviously after this. So, oh, well, thanks. Yeah, Thank it's you. it's been it's been fun seeing your work. And uh, now I I've been looking at your cartoons and is are any of the characters? I think you, are you drawing yourself? Is, are you insert yourself into the cartoons like a caricature of yourself okay that's kind of what i thought (laughs) so you got to kind of be have a special kind of self-awareness to draw yourself i'm sure (laughs) oh yeah you know i'm my i'm my worst critic (laughs) (laughs) right yeah as far as response it's unbelievable rob in fact i am so I'm not real sharp when it comes to electronics that's why i have five kids to help me out Mm mm-hmm and so my wife and I recently went to Kentucky, and we couldn't get any Wi-Fi. So I, using my smartphone, I tried to retrieve all my messages. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what I did was I found almost 1,200 filtered messages that had come to Facebook <laughs> that I wasn't aware of. Right. From Australia, Hong oh, Kong, wow. Japan, Argentina, Ukraine, mm-hmm. Canada, 
the list goes on and on. It's uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there was, in fact, I took on, well, in the art world, you call them gigs. Mm-hmm. I took on four gigs yesterday. Oh, wow. Plus, plus you know, this is how you and I made the contact yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if I wouldn't, if I would have never known those were there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And uh, I'm currently over maintaining about 5,000 followers on Facebook. Uh-huh. My friend list went from like 325 to, well, a big group by 1,000. Mm. Uh, I've got my own website. Wow. FridayCartoons.com. We're just kind of getting that started. Cool. Uh, the kids on Mother's Day got me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. So, so <laughs> it, <laughs> it's really, really the oddest story, and this is so comical, is they did a piece at New York Times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that. And I was touring that morning, and, and my father always taught me that your stock always is taken care of before anything else. Mm-hmm. Before you eat, before you do anything, you take care of your animal. Mm-hmm. And so I, when they called, I didn't want to do the interview because I had still had chores to do, but I <laughs> did the chores and called back to the interview. And then I had had a, a cow that had a newborn, and the calf had not quite got up mm-hmm. and nursed yet, so I was helping the calf. And I usually take a little bottle with me to get the calf started. Right. I was feeding this calf in CBS calls, mm. uh, wanting details on the story so they could run it in their situation. <laughs> so I'm talking to CBS and bottle feeding this calf at the same time, and I'm thinking, this is so weird. <laughs> But see, this is how I know you're a real farmer right now, because even though even though the national media is, is on the phone, you know, the cattle have to be tended to, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, 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 this is what I know, this is what right. I do. And it, um, so it's kind of, it's really kind of comical, mm-hmm. and I've been putting it, putting that into my work. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there's been a lot of opportunities, <coughs> a lot of them that have fell short, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a lot of promises made that have not fallen. But, you know, it's, it's we, the people, are like a box of kittens. We see what's moving at the time. And you give us the weekend and a little recreation and all is forgotten. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was really, really, going the first week, it was like crazy. I, I had... I'd lost about 10 pounds because I had a phone in my mouth instead of a fork. <laughs> and it's just, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and it's starting to get crazy again as I found those 1,200 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You just found the, the secret cachet. <laughs> yeah, the right. secret cachet is perfectly good. <laughs> But, well, I think the the quickest way to tell me, like, the quickest way to get me to want something is to tell me I can't have it. So it's like if, if I hear yeah. that somebody's been, you know, taken away for something, it's like, oh, well, what was that? Like, you know, yeah. Now I'm like, oh, well, I got I to gotta know more about this. So, um, well, it's kind of a perfect storm because with everything that's going on with the election year, and mm-hmm. everybody's divided this way and this way here. And, and, then, and then you throw in... 
And the, the thing about it is I'm a farmer and a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And Farm News really kind of had it made because, you know, I was I, I wouldn't cater to the big corporations. I was catering to people like myself. Right. And so you got corporations, large corporations, trying to shut up the small guy. And I consider my, I've always been a small guy. Mm-hmm. So automatically the, the free press and free speech are motivation for jumping on this. You know, mm-hmm. people are really concerned about their their constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. Some have argued with me saying it's not nobody you, your rights weren't violated. Mm-hmm. But I tend to disagree because if it was censored prior to publication, mm-hmm. I would see that that was not any violation of free speech or free press. Mm-hmm. But, but when it went to publication and uh, 24,000 people read it, and then they censored me, mm-hmm. then I do see that as a, a violation. Right. Well, I guess where uh, people might be mixing it up is that, you know, the text of the First Amendment talks about the government stopping your speech, but really what we're talking about here is is not the government stopping your speech. Right, it's really right. just business, you know, interests and, and pressures like that. So right. it's a little more insidious in, in certain ways because it, it is not something that is so blatantly, you know, in violation of the First mm-hmm. Amendment so they can, you know, oh, well, you're, you know, you weren't violated, but yeah, kind of, you were. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. It's not, mm-hmm. it's how you want to look into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But it is still censorship. You're right. I mean, it's, it's still being, because I mean, now your voice is not being heard in that space anymore because of this, you know, I mean, obviously you have other opportunities because of it, but you know, that, that is kind of a more side effect than, than, yeah. yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm happy that you're getting other opportunities. I was worried that this was going to be the, the end of your cartooning career. I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure that it was going to pan out, but it sounds like you're getting, you're getting other opportunities and stuff. Uh, your uh, your website's going up. You said you're getting that going. Yeah, I started get, and and we're starting to get that up. A friend of mine, uh, Jeff Norman, him, he's been we've been friends since seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And Jeff's a wonderful guy. He can play a cigar box banjo like oh nice nobody's business. Cool and harmonica. See, I see the, Jeff and I. We've run around ever since we were kids. He he played music, and I'd draw cartoons. <laughs> so we're putting together a little something. Cool. And we're going to have a little fun with it. Yeah, you've got to have fun, Rob. I don't care. You know that. Yeah, I I'm not drawn for farm news anymore. But I'm drawn I, as one followers wrote on my Facebook page, Friday Unplug, and I have run with that because. For 21 years, I've grown agriculture-related cartoons, and now I can draw some other stuff, you know. <laughs> so really, this has, like, freed you up a little bit as far as subject it matter. It does. Huh. And I don't have to worry about somebody censoring me. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, you know, out there drawing for for other magazines, and, and I, try, I try to stay with their theme. You know, a mm-hmm. old farmer carrying a five-gallon bucket wouldn't work real good in the duck hunting magazine. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I 
I've got to, I've got to change things up a little bit, which is, I've been used to being plugged into agriculture, mm-hmm. and that doesn't really define who I am. Right. It might, it might define what I what I do, but not who I am. Right. It's it's been really interesting, and it's been a little, little scary, I suppose. Not used to this type of opportunity. Right, exactly. And it's not like you went into this being like, gee, I hope I get fired so that I will become a worldwide news story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you'd been if you'd been shooting for this, I don't think you could have hit it, you know what I mean? Like, no, like I told my wife, I told I've been doing this for 21 years, I'm going to get myself fired so things will take off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to really screw things up and then you'll see. <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah, um, it's a... It's been life-changing for me. I know that. Well, I'm happy to hear that. That's great. Um, so, uh, so we always talk about music on my show. I don't. You, you alluded a little bit to some uh, cigar box uh, banjo. What kind of music do you do you listen to generally here? What kind of music do I listen to? Yeah. Anything in the anything in the seventies. Anything in the seventies. As far 70s. as I'm concerned, in my opinion, my I don't even the stuff the kids listen to doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> And I'm not making fun of our youth because Uh they're going to have to take care of me someday. (laughs) Got to keep in their good graces for now. (laughs) But when you go to weddings, Uh I go to these weddings, they look like indigenous people out there hopping around. Mm -hmm. The music, and it's like, wow. You know? And I'm sure, I mean, I grew up during the disco days. Sure. I mean, that had to be really weird to, <laughs> right. to our parents. Yeah. It's just a cultural thing. But sure. the 70s, I don't, I mean, I don't listen to much music because my mind's turning all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a smart ass with a pencil. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking all the time. Uh, and I lose a lot of I, wonderful ideas that come to me. So my wife's got me a little tablet I'm carrying around, and she always makes sure I have that in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And I talk into my phone, and try. And sometimes I'll get up in the night, and I think, oh, I've got this funniest cartoon, and I'll kind of get it out roughly and put a caption down there, and then I'll get up four hours later, and I'll go, what the hell is that? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense later on. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? Exactly. But at the time, you're like, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> oh, man, this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I was, uh, yeah, I was talking to one of my friends uh, last time in one of my podcasts, and I feel like whatever you like when you're 12 uh, years old, yeah, music-wise, I feel like that's going to be what you think is, is best, because I definitely have the same experience, you know, like I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm quickly turning into the uh, the old man, get off my lawn with the uh, with the music. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny how quick that happens. So. <laughs> Where I'm at, what I'm doing, that American Pie song comes on, man, I'm just gotten it. Right. You know, it's just, and now it's, I, I was probably 10, 12 years old when that came out. Yeah, you know? exactly. Well, that's, that's when you're first discovering music, though. So it's yeah. like when you first get into it, it's like, yes. <laughs> so I definitely know about that. But My father was a military man. Uh-huh. And growing up in the 70s, everybody had long hair. Mm-hmm. And I was like the only kid that could have halfway down my ears. That's what we'd agreed on. No further than that. <laughs> was that, the con- that was the compromise. Okay. Yeah, come on, Dad. And then all the guys have long hair. 
And he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. He says, I'll race you up to the railroad tracks, which is about a quarter of a mile from my house. He said, I'll race you up there and back. Now, you're going to get a haircut, boy. He says, if I win, I'm shaving her off. Uh-oh. If you win, you get it halfway down your ears. Now, that tells you how smart teenagers are. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, I'll race you, Dad. Right. I'm still getting the same haircut I would have if I just shut up and said Yeah, down. but, but he, made, he made you think it was your choice to do <laughs> <laughs> That's the trick. <laughs> yep. And uh, knowing my dad, he let me win, but he could he, he could run like a rabbit. And uh, a car come over the hill, and he stopped, mm-hmm. and I took off. I said, why'd you stop, old man? He said, because I didn't want that person in that car to think I was trying to run you down and beat you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and, and and as he's cutting my hair, I'm thinking, well, what an idiot. This is what I was just going to happen anyway. <laughs> My son is almost two, so I'll, I'll have to remember these uh, these little tricks for for later on. So. You call me anytime. I've got a lot of tricks. <laughs> exactly, putting putting the carrot out in front of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, excellent. Well, uh, is there anything else you wanted to to get out there before I uh, before we finish up? I appreciate you taking all this time to talk to me. It's it's been fun, and I I only wish you more success. And I've really been uh, following your work, and and I hope to continue to see you have more success. Here, so well, I, I appreciate you reaching out to me. That uh, in this business, mm-hmm. and probably in your business, mm-hmm. and I have a little quote. And, uh, I've been an artist and a writer most of my life, uh-huh. and I've come to the conclusion, and probably in your job too, that the only person who can make people happy is the one who drives the ice cream truck. <laughs> So you remember that, that you're not going to make everybody happy. And that is actually the formula for failure is trying to make everyone happy. You know? That's right. And That's you, point. I do not have very thick skin. Hmm. My feelings get hurt very easily. Mm-hmm. But uh, when this thing hit, read it, it went, I mean, it was a top story on, on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Of it. Yeah. I don't know. My daughter told me, oh my God, you made Reddit. I don't know what that is. <laughs> You're like, now, you now, so, so slow down. Explain to me what Reddit is. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> sent, me a, sent me a link and I clicked on it and I was offended by some of the things that people wrote. Well, of course, it, is, it is the internet. So. <laughs> yeah. Like, Man, why is his hand like that? It's some kind of farmer hand signal or something. It's like, oh, I don't know. My ruler slipped. <laughs> Why are supposed to be here? You know, and like, yeah, you know, I wish if I'd have known that this many people were going to be right. looking at this, and you know, I would have taken a little bit more time with it. But, sure, but but I'm that it didn't really offend me. It's that yeah, I was. It's I've thrown up. I've thrown a lot of cartoons in the trash, and I've had people go over later and get them out, and put them in the pocket. Hmm. I go to schools and draw, and if I make a little error, I'll throw it away. You'd be wow. surprised how many people will pick that up. I forget sometimes that not everybody's got that ability to draw. Hmm. And not everybody's got the ability to write. I do both. I draw and I write. Mm-hmm. But I can't I can't sing. I can't have babies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> There's so you know, we all have these things that are that we can do. We're mm-hmm. all special in one way or another and we have to grab a hold of that and run with that. Yeah. And don't let anybody stop us. Yeah. Um I mean, my wife is like, 
the champion organizer. I mean, she puts an X on the calendar every night when she gets home. Mm. I'm saying, honey, what do you want to make sure everybody knows you participated in the day? <laughs> and she's like, no, this is how she keeps organized. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have to have her around me or I am just, I'm a pile of, I'm a pile of papers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, we all have our, we're all good at something. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I better shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks so much for talking to me, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, keep on doing what you're doing, and I'll be uh, following your work for sure. So, Well, thank you, Rob. And, and I'll, I'll pay attention to your show a little oh, bit more. Cool. So, yeah, thanks so a where lot. Where are you located at? Um, uh, I live in Noblesville, Indiana, and uh, it's kind of a little bit north of Indianapolis. Uh, I work in Kokomo, Indiana, so it's it's definitely a farming farming area, uh, mostly soybeans and uh, and corn in this area. Um, there's also some tomato and some other things. There's a red gold factory not too far. Um, I think there's some some pigs uh, not too far away from us too. So um, definitely pretty pretty uh, agrarian here as well. So well, I must have drove right by your place. We went down to Peoria. Oh. And then we went into, we talked, it's kind of funny, in 25 or 26 minutes we went from, how was that, was Indiana and Ohio, to Indiana and the Kentucky. Uh-huh. We hit like four states in 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Um, so we went through Indiana just last week. Oh, cool. Excellent. Well, well, I worked for Winnebago Industries for 22 years. Oh, wow. I made a trip to Elkhart, Indiana. I was going to say, that's the uh, that's the center of it all right there for, it the, is. That's... for the industry. So. Mm-hmm. so I've been there before. But, uh, but, uh, so you have a two-year-old. I do. Well, he's going to be two next month. He and my wife share a birthday, actually. So it's it's going to – July's, cool. July's going to be a, <laughs> a pretty expensive month month in my household. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we have ten. We oh. have ten grandchildren. Oh wow! And we've got like five of them all around that age. Uh-huh. I call them the sippy cup gang <laughs> because <laughs> we have sippy cups lined up on the table when they come on top. So, oh, they're so much fun, and they're. They're, they are your reward for surviving parenthood. That, see, this is this is my theory. The, the more I've since I've had a child, I'm starting to see that that the real racket is to be the grandparent. This is this is where yeah. it really kicks in. You know what I mean? Oh, buddy, <laughs> yeah. It, but, but and I have to remind all my children that the most important thing about being an adult mm-hmm. is remembering what it's like to be a child. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, for sure. And when I was a when I was a parent. I forgot quite a little bit about what it was like to be a kid. Mm. And when you start remembering that, mm-hmm. that's when you start outsmarting them, Rob. And that's when you start taking one hit, one, one step ahead of them because you were at that age. Right. So you got to put yourself in that mindset. <laughs> yeah. So I'll ask you, is your two-year-old a boy or a girl? It's a boy. Oh, they're a little easier to raise. You think so? Well, yeah, because when she's 16 and that young man comes walking down the sidewalk. <laughs> you just happen to be cleaning your shotgun at that point. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to be hanging on to something, whether it's a ball bat or a crew you got to get whatever you can get your hands on at that point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know when my youngest daughter uh-huh. went on a date and my oldest son was out here in the driveway. Uh-huh. The young man was he pulled up in his car, and, of course, his face is bright red because there's... 
the daughter's father and brother, a couple buddies. My oldest son says, Jimmy, my dad's going to do everything to you that you do to her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Jimmy took her out once and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I definitely have heard that, that it's a little easier raising boys. I also, you know, kind of hear that they get over things a little faster and they're a little more yeah. rough and tumble than, you know, than, uh, sensitive, you know, girls can be a little sensitive, I guess. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. You put up a big sign on the front door. Uh-huh. Drama ends here. <laughs> because everything is a big deal when they're, when they're a certain age. Yeah. You know. Sure. Uh, and the boys, they don't tell you anything. The girls tell you more than you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's a real experience. And when they're raised and you have that empty nest, uh-huh. you want them to come home. Mm. And they don't always come home. Mm-hmm. And then when they do finally come home, they're bringing these little poop trucks home with them. <laughs> and Grandma, she can eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Uh-huh. Drink a Diet Coke and change your diet for all in about 10 seconds. But wow. He's good at it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, not, I know that. Not me. When that diaper comes, when that diaper starts to come off, I'm out of here. <laughs> you, you've all of a sudden got something to do in the other room. <laughs> yeah. I'm scared of it. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it's got to feel good to be the the grandparent, though. It's like you've 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 made you know you've you've made it to that next generation, but you don't have to be the the bad guy necessarily. Yeah. You can you can kind of swoop in for the for the for the good part, and then kind of swoop yeah. away when things get difficult. So. You become the mediator between the two. Oh yeah. You need to listen to your father, right? And you need to be a little more gentle. Remember, we're in your heart's way. So yeah. you know you and. As soon as these grandkids come in, their grandma's sticking popsicles in the mouth. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they don't get that at home. Oh you yeah, know? exactly. You know? But it's uh, life is fun if you make it fun. Yeah, that's a good point. But a two-year-old, uh, I I just love them. I, they're so fun to watch. Oh and yeah, they're still fun to watch them learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I swear every day he does something new that I didn't know he could do the day before. It's like almost just changing in front of your eyes. Like, I swear there's days I wake up and I'm like, I'm, I'm imagining this. I know I am, but I, I think you grew in the night. Like, you seriously look a little bit bigger. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So. And then when they come to you, after they get out of school and they get on their own, after a while, uh-huh. I've had all of them come to me and say, Dad, I'm really sorry I was a jerk <laughs> when I was 16. And I said, oh, that's all right. I was 16. I said, as soon as I rolled down the window in my car, my brain stuck out my ear. You know, it's you just it's part of life, and mm-hmm. it's a cycle. Sure. And, you know, I watched my dad. He said that he was, I thought he was tough on me. And then when he became a grandfather, I saw how gentle he was. Hmm. And it's like, whoa, he's always been the same man he is. It's just that and he don't have to. He can he can tell me no and I'll listen. But when, mm. when, you know, as a granddaughter, I tell one of my grandsons and my granddaughters no. They listen to me. Mm. Now, if their parents tell them no, they do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, the thing my, my son is starting to realize is that me and my wife are two different people who could have two different answers to the question he has, so he started <laughs> yeah. to figure that out. So if I say no to something, he'll be like, Mom, Mom, Mom. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh, great, you figured this out before the age of two. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. He'll figure that out really, really early. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the play, playing the one side off the other. <laughs> that's, a, that's a skill that they learn pretty quickly, but no one's got to tell them that one. So. That's right. <laughs> but, yeah, for sure. But, uh, well, uh, thank you again. This has been great. I hope if you want to come back and talk about whatever you want, we can we can do this again. I'd love to. So. Okay, well, you've got my number. Cool. And you can follow me on Facebook. Yep. And I'll... And uh, we'll just have fun, Rob, and, and uh, we'll go. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, but. for sure. Well, it'll be out on uh, Friday, so I'll send you a link when it's up here. But um, that'd be perfect. Cool. Well, uh, thanks again, and have a good rest of your day here. You too, and good luck with that little fella. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> need some help. Need I need it. <laughs> yeah, don't don't think I won't. So. <laughs> a real a real quick one, real. I know yeah. this. It's, it's a. I'm totally opposed to littering. I my I instilled that in my children. I said, oh, okay. go to a gas pump. You got a trash can. And do not litter. And my youngest daughter, she's little. She throws something out the window, and I stop cars. And now you know about her. <laughs> And she says, well, that'll just get so those people will have to do community service up, too. You know how 15-year-old girls are. Mm-hmm. So we went grocery shopping, and she says, can I have a whole gallon of Sunny Delight for myself? And I said, well, sure, because I don't like drinking out of a jug. And I don't like, she likes to drink out of a jug, and, you know, I, I no. So we bought her, I bought her a whole gallon of Sunny Delight orange juice that she could have herself. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to chore, and I come out, and there is an empty, sunny delight plastic jug laying beside the stop sign. Mm. Now, what are the what are the chances <laughs> of just anybody throwing out a gallon of sunny delight? Yeah. So I picked it up, brought it home, and wrote, "No bad deed goes unpunished." <laughs> stuck it under her pillow and her bed. Oh, no. <laughs> and that night I come home, she's studying Indian style in the living room, going, How did you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> How did you know she, at that moment, knew that I was the smartest man in the world? <laughs> and he got to outsmart him, Rob. He got uh-huh. it. You know, uh, he could have very well just picked it up and throw it away and not said anything. Right. But, but you know, and. The same way with their clothes. I say, if you don't put your clothes up, I'm going to throw them out in the yard. Well, <laughs> I throw them out in the yard, and the mother comes home and says, What are you doing? I spent a lot of money for those clothes. And I said, got to pick them up. You leave them all over. <laughs> so, she was 15, 16, driving. Uh-huh. So, I just took her clothes out and put them in her trunk. This kid was so spoiled. Three weeks later, she was like, I can't find my clothes. I don't want my clothes right. She had enough clothes the last three weeks before she knows the same thing was gone. <laughs> it was a kind of a delayed reaction there. <laughs> it was really delayed. <laughs> That's funny. If you go look at a trunk of your car, just be real careful when you open it because I had to spit on that last load. <laughs> <laughs> to get it all to fit, right? <laughs> so, well, I'll let you go, and thank you for calling me. I didn't mean to take up too much No, time, no, you're but... fine. You're fine. It's been fun. So yeah. thanks a lot. Well, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Well, Bye. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.